Welcome to New Age Mamas. Yo, what's up, ladies? How y'all feeling? I'm feeling good. Happy Monday? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what day it is sometimes. How was y'all sweetest day? Sweetest day? Um, so I know, so update, y'all was asking me about what I did for sweetest day and I didn't get a chance to do anything because my hair took 12 hours. And so when, you know, my man picked me up, I asked him, do you know what today is? And then he went into a panic trying to think like, uh, <laughs> like what day it was. And I was like, it's sweetest day. And he was like, oh, I was like, do you care? He was like, no. And I was like, okay, I feel bad. And he was like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so y'all didn't do nothing? Nah, we just chill. Shoot, he didn't know what day it was anyway, so he didn't care. But I did do something nice for him. What you do? I ain't gonna say it. Oh, okay, y'all. <laughs> y'all are nasty. Diamond, what about you? What you and your boo do? Because I seen you on the gram on Snap. You was all dolled up, got your makeup done. Oh, that dress was cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. We just went to a restaurant called chemistry in high park i found it on tiktok so he just decided to try it out how was it um it was good they have a they had a live singer i actually didn't like the singer um voice i don't know <laughs> maybe it just wasn't my cup of tea but um and then his food he had lamb chops and stuff so he ate that i only had french fries oh, um Lord. <laughs> so yeah, the bill was pretty high for us to just have fries and lamb chops. But um, I guess if you like fancy restaurant bougie. So uh what about the drinks? Were the drinks good? The drinks was good. I had a cocktail. It was a pink cotton candy cocktail. It was really good. It sound good. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like cocktail? What's it called? Kitchen and cocktails expensive, or is it just like I've never been in a kitchen and cocktail, so I don't know about oh, their, okay. and their prices. But um, for my fries and lamb ch- and his lamb chops and two drinks, our total was $120. It was them lamb chops. <laughs> yeah. The lamb chops was like 54 by itself. The two cocktails was $16. The fries was 15 And then a bottle of water was $10. A bottle of water? Mm-hmm. They didn't do, I'm guessing they didn't have tap. <laughs> oh, they had tap, but we didn't know that was an option. They came and gave Ooh. us that. Yeah, so. Well, it sounds still like a fun experience. A live singer, live band. I like it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I like it. Well, y'all, we have a guest today, a very special guest. 
So hi guys, we have Kimberly Delva. Kimberly Delva became a BSN two years ago and has had her high and lows in the medical field while transitioning between hospitals and nurses assignments. Kimberly is now a labor and delivery nurse and a huge advocate for health of women of color. We will be discussing how women can advocate for themselves in hospitals, preparing for birth at hospitals, her experience with being a bedside nurse and option women did not know they had. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you. Okay, so we're just going to hop right into it. So our first question is, what made you become a nurse? And did you specifically want to become a labor and delivery nurse? Um, so honestly, what made me want to become a nurse was just like being a kid and going to the doctor's office. I know that sounds really weird (laughs) (laughs) because normally kids do not like the doctor's office. But um, I had a black pediatrician. And I was just like so fascinated with her and like the women that would come in who, you know, I found out to either be nurses or medical assistants. They just were just so kind to me. And I think that's what really sparked my interest. Um, But my mother also, she's in the medical field. So seeing her and how she gives care to her patients, that inspired me as well. So here I am. (laughs) Um, originally I didn't, labor and delivery was like on my list, but I was kind of low-key interested in the operating room, the OR, Mm -hmm. um, but that kind of like ties into labor and delivery because, you know, if a mom goes for a C-section, we're back there. So kind of got the best of both worlds a little bit. Oh, so what exactly does a labor and delivery nurse do? Do you just deal with the labor labor. and the delivery and then that's it or do you actually do the whole experience with the mom so you're at the labor the delivery then you Mm -hmm. go into the room for the aftercare like what what exactly do you do so um with the place that I work at now it's a labor delivery recovery and postpartum floor Mm. Um, and they train like originally I was just labor and delivery with my previous job, but with this job, I was able to branch off. So we're there with the mother from beginning to basically the end. Once you come through those doors, I'm that person that you see first. I tell you what's going to happen, what we're going to give you, um, answer any questions. I go through the documentation, uh, the documents with you. And then we go through the whole labor process from when you're sitting there chilling to when your contractions pick up to when it's time to push, when the baby comes out, all of that. Like even when you're recovering, I'm with you. And when you move to your next room, I'm with you too, which is nice because you get to have the same person. Mm, I like that. Is it scary? Like, do you ever get nervous? Depending on you know how long you labor for. You said, have I ever have I ever gotten nervous? Yeah, like is it nerve wracking? Is it very smooth? How is it? During from when you walk through the doors to when you have the baby, right? Yes. Oh, so when it starts off, it's pretty smooth. It could be pretty smooth, but it also depends on how quick the mom has has the baby. So, like if you're a first time mom, it might be a little slower. So you know you get to 
uh, talk more, whatever, you know, give more techniques to help you bring that baby down. But there are certain situations where the mom is coming in and she's ready to push as soon as possible. Like that was me. (laughs) Right. So, you know, like once you came through the doors, you was like, okay, the baby is coming right now. (laughs) <laughs> like well, when I came in through the doors, it was like, you know, sit down. They, oh, do you want an epidural? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she checked my, what is it? My cervix. Your, your cervix. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. she's like, oh, you're seven and a half centimeters. And then she's about to get ready. Good. Yeah. Then she's about to get ready. Give me the, epi- like they're starting to prep and, you know, just get the room ready. And then mm-hmm. I felt, I'm like, I have to throw up throw up water broke it's time to go because yep. he was coming. <laughs> yep. and that's good for his first time mom because normally when you're a first time mom it does take a while and I think a lot of people get frustrated because you know there's movies that you see the baby like oh my water broke and boom the baby's here but labor can go for like hours more than a day sometimes I think that's what happened to Shay, correct? Yours, your labor was two days? Yeah, I went in the, went into the hospital. I was induced though, but I went in on Monday and I didn't deliver until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. C-section though. Mm-hmm. And Diamond, yours was the same day, correct? Yeah, my, well, I went in on Monday and then I didn't deliver to Tuesday. They sent me back home because they said I was only three centimeters. So I went back home from being three centimeters, then I came back up there and I jumped from three to five. So um, once I waited a couple of hours and went back up there, they kept me. So I delivered the next day. So mm-hmm. my labor in total was 16 hours. Yep. yep. So and that's question. why I, go, okay, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just saying like, that's why I went first time mothers. I typically tell them like, don't get frustrated with yourself, you know, don't think that there's a time limit on when you should have this baby because it might be a longer process and that's okay. You know, don't rush your body into like hurrying up to deliver the baby. Just be patient and just enjoy the ride. Mm, I like that. So I have a question. So when does, so when does actual labor start? Does it start when you have the contractions? Okay. So Labor, there's different stages of labor. So like when you first come in, you're like, what, one centimeter, two centimeters? That's what you call um, latent labor. And when you say latent labor, think of long because you could go from one centimeters to four centimeters in like every, what, two to three hours you're making a change, you know? It's not going to happen right away. But as soon as you hit six centimeters, that's considered active um, labor. So you're basically like, that's when you're contracting. I don't know if you noticed, like when you were seven centimeters, Jasmine, did your contractions pick up? Um, Yes. And I was a little, I was tired. They weren't horrible, but they were about every three to four minutes. Yes. So, right. Exactly. So, you got your latent uh, latent phase of labor where it's just like, you know, you're chilling and everything is just, you feel contractions every once in a while. But then once you hit six centimeters, that's your active stage. And that's mm. when your contractions picked up, pick up, your body gets more active. You start having to huff and puff and move around. That's the time where they're like, if you want your upper door, you better get it now. 
get it while it's hot. <laughs> get it while it's hot because once once you hit like I mean, I think I've seen a woman get an epidural like at eight, you know, because it's like you're there but you're not almost there. Mm-hmm. But they say get it when you start getting active, not to the point where you can't like sit still because once you hit like eight, nine, like, oh yeah, you better just hold on. You about to have this baby pretty soon. Mm. Yeah. I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I definitely can tell that I had the phases of the the labor. Except first, like when everybody's like, oh, I've been in labor for 16, 20 hours. I'm like, okay, when does this begin? Because <laughs> I didn't really, I was, I was in a tad bit of pain, but I wasn't like, oh my God. <laughs> Is is and I think like you're basically when you once you start dilating and stuff you're 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 in labor like the whole process is labor but there's different phases of labor. Got you, got you. Okay, that makes sense. Now, what was your most mom- memorable moment as a nurse so far? Um. I would have to say my most memorable moment was pretty recent. I connected with this one mom. Um, she Her first baby was a C-section, and she really, really wanted to have her second baby vaginally. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to, like, once you have a C-section, you know, you you have the certain risks, like risk of bleeding, um, due to the fact that, you know, you already been cut before, not like vaginally, but, you know, your scar, your C-section and all of that. Um, and sometimes moms are not good pushers. And that just so happened to be this woman. She she pushed, but she needed a little more like. Um, like. Uh, more of a team, like with her, so her not gonna bash the dad but her dad was in tune but not as much as as me the nurse so um long story short she did deliver vaginally and she was super super happy but I was so like she was happy but I was happier for her because (laughs) no serious like I'm not gonna lie to you I prayed over this woman because I could yeah because I could see how bad she really wanted to have this baby vaginally and, you know, a lot of women, when they have C-sections, they kind of feel defeated, mm-hmm. you know, like, dang, I couldn't have this baby vaginally. So I was just like, you know what? I literally was in that room with her. I didn't eat lunch that night. I didn't have a snack that night. I don't even think I took a, no, I did take a water break, but she pushed for like almost four hours. Oh my gosh. And yeah. She pushed for like four hours. and. I just felt so touched, like, because when she did it, I'm like, you know, you could do whatever you put your mind to. And that's what I was telling her during the process. I'm like, you got this, you know, let's go. Let's do it. Um, She did. She she cried. She cried. And she was so thankful. I was with my preceptor, too. She was training me. But she was so thankful for us because, like, we did not leave her side besides when I went to get a water break. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I need a little break, baby. Hold on. A little, a little breaky break. But she, I was happy that she was happy that she was able to accomplish this goal for herself. Mm, that's so nice. Did she get you a gift? Does 
the, some of your, I don't want to say clients, what a, uh, I don't want to say customers either. What are they? <laughs> patients. patients. <laughs> Does some of your patients get you gifts? Yes, they, not all the time, but a lot of the patients do give gifts, like gift cards. Um, I know one time, like uh, this one lady, she gave me like a, a clip and a headband and a gift card. Like they get real creative. Oh, I love it. I just feel like, you know, it's, we put, I feel like if you're a labor and delivery, a nurse period, you put your heart into what you do. Cause it does take a lot to be a nurse. So when somebody shows you, you know, some type of appreciation, you're just like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I feel like my work matters. Not saying that I don't feel like it matters, but you know, you have those days sometimes. Right. I remember. Yeah. I got my nurses a gift and I got the doctor a gift. Now, I got a question, Kimberly. With this lady yes. pushing for four hours, is it a, a cutoff time? Because I know with my experience, I was pushing, and I was pushing for about 30 to 40 minutes, and they was basically saying I wasn't getting nowhere, so I was going to have to get a C-section. Mm. And once she said that, I just, like, pushed really hard. Like, all right, because I'm not, not about to get a C-section if I don't have to. So, um, like, is it a cutoff time, a cutoff period? Like, how were y'all able to let her go for four hours? Or does it depend on the hospital policy? How does that work? Honestly, when it comes to pushing, we look at all, like, everything as a whole. So we look at how the mom is pushing. We look at the time. Um, most of the time, we give three hours. Because mm. after three hours, you start, the mom starts getting exhausted. And you can tell. Like you can seriously tell. We also look at the baby too, because if the baby is doing well, so the baby's heart rate is not like dropping really low below like um, 60. If the baby's heart rate is not continuously, because the baby's heart rate is going to drop while you're pushing because you're, you know, you're pushing the baby out. But if there's every period of time where the baby's heart rate is dropping and it stays down, you know, those are signs to think like, okay, what is our next move? Because this baby is not doing well with these, with these pushes. Um, there can also be like to dive a little deeper, but not too deep. Well, if mom has an infection, that's something to look at too. Because if you, the mother has an infection for being in labor for so long, your bag of water has been broken for so long, then your temperature is raising, your temperature is, is going up. And so is the baby's temperature is going up. You basically cook your baby inside your stomach. So mm. you're like, okay, um, we need to think about that too. Cause you don't want the baby to burn up in the stomach, you know? Um, I didn't even know so, that was possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it's so much. I wish we could sit here and talk about <laughs> but, um, you look at all the maternal and fetal um, contradictions because at the end of the day, you want a safe mom, a safe delivery, a healthy mom, and a healthy baby. And that's why, you know, probably when, how long were you in, in labor for a diamond? I think you said like. It was 16 hours. 16 hours. Mm-hmm. And then they probably was looking at how long your bag of water was broken. Yeah, but I didn't, like they had broke my water. Like I don't even remember like how it feels for my water to break because then I went in like my I I didn't I went in with contractions with with pain. So it's like I didn't go in you know after like my water had broke. So they broke my water for me, and I didn't okay. feel any change or any difference. I had got the epidural. Um, mm-hmm. 
that little button they tell you to push because it's <laughs> I think that's a mental thing because I don't think that's no that's... no it does give you some medication <laughs> okay if you say so but I think it's a, more of a mental thing like all right I'm push this button it's gonna help me out but I'm done <laughs> yeah like it was it was one nurse like that was like really really helpful like she was just there by my side the whole time and yeah. I just kept thanking her but I don't know if I was like high off the medicine I just remember kept thanking her and she's like I'm about to leave and it's like no like I started crying <laughs> I did not want her to leave. like I, and then she's like okay just do me a favor I'm gonna check on you in the morning if you still here and then she's like just do me a favor um name your son after my son and I'm like okay I could possibly do that what's your baby name and she said something off the wall stuff and I'm like okay, <laughs> I can't I can't do that I was gonna consider it a middle name at least but yeah so have you ever experienced that like have someone ever wanted to name their child like after you or ask for your opinion with naming um a lot of parents still have like come in with a list of names and they'd be like you know these are names what do you think which I mm. think is so cute um, I always ask, I'm like, uh, do you want to tell me the baby's name? I I like to ask because some cultures don't like to say the name of the baby until the baby comes out. Mm. And then there are some, yeah. And then there are some cultures like, um, Indian culture, the Indian culture, they don't know their baby's name. They call, they call over to their country and then like, it's a whole process to getting the baby named and stuff. It's so cool. Um, I've never had someone name their child after me, but it just so happened this one couple that I uh, helped deliver their baby, they named their child Kimberly. And I didn't know that they were going to name their child Kim, but they already thought about that, but they didn't mm-hmm. tell me you because know, um, they wanted to wait. So that was nice. I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but I think that's knowing the name is such a, a very cute process because once the baby come out, you looking like, yeah, you do look like your name. <laughs> <laughs> so you spoke about um, ex- uh, cultural experiences. So mm-hmm. how has your experience been with different cultures and delivering their babies? Have have they done anything different that you've seen? Um, has it been a really big different experience? Have you maybe you know felt like oh I don't want to cross the line let me ask this like how did you prepare for this experience dealing with different cultures and their babies um so everybody I think with their babies they're pretty like the same like nobody ever had said like you know don't do this or don't do that um but when it comes to for example like Indians they're very um when it comes to modesty, they believe like, you know, so say like their doctor's coming in to do a check, like you try to like, don't have their like area out and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, like try to cover it a little bit. Um, I've noticed that a lot of cultures, which I mean, it could be just overall like to have their mothers there over their um, significant others. Oh, so you've been seeing more moms over the dads. Yeah. So it'll be the mom and it'll be the grandma. And then the dad will be there. But overnight, the mother, the grandma will stay mm. mm-hmm. and take care of the mother instead of the dad staying. 
Oh, which I understand because you know some some people want their mothers there. I, I want my mom to be there. She she done been through this, so she can help me <laughs> uh, for real. But um, that's pretty much it. I haven't seen like anything too big of a difference. Just basically the naming of the kids. Some people don't want to say the name before the kid is born. Some people call and ask for the name um, from their homeland. Uh, some like their mothers over their partners being in the room with them. Um, some people are very big on modesty and some people don't like men doctors coming in and checking them only women. Mm. So it just, yeah, you learn a lot. No, I have a question. Um, yes. Because I, I mean, I know for me, my nurse was important and I can imagine how many people feel that way. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand that 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 feeling may be mutual, like you getting emotionally attached to these patients, as you mentioned. So mm-hmm. how do you cope with like overcoming like maybe difficult surgeries or I mean labors or deliveries? Um, I talked to my nurse and friends. I call them like after work. I have one friend that I call and I tell him, like, girl, let me tell you what happened about my night. (laughs) And I just go on and on and on and on. And she, you know, because she understands because she might not be in the same specialty, but we kind of nurses kind of similarly. We kind of go through similar uh, similar situations, Um, just maybe like a different level. So I just, you know, talk to her about it. Sometimes I talk to my friends, Jasmine. I talk, I tell her all the time about my problems. <laughs> you like, it's been a long night, girl. It's been a long night. I'm about to go to sleep. Nobody bother me. DND. Um, but I do, I think having my nursing friends to talk to and my friends outside of nursing, just to let them know, like, this is what I'm going, this is what happened. I feel like I could have did this, this, that. And they always remind me like, no, you did what you needed to do at that moment. But I've spoke to someone recently. I think I might like honestly get a therapist too. Not going to lie. You should. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Because I just feel like, you know, it's one thing to talk to like the people close to me, but sometimes people aren't emotionally available to, to handle what I be dealing with. So I've been thinking about getting a therapist. That's a great point too. Um, something I've started doing is asking people, are they, can they receive like mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I have going on? Cause you know, I, my thing is like when people care about you, they take on how you're feeling. So if yes. it's, it's going to be heavy to them. So I kudos to you for understanding like, Sometimes people think, oh, I should go to therapy because things have happened to me. But things are always happening to you, things that you always need to process. It could be present, it could be in the future. So, um, you know, I just wanted to highlight that that was good. Yes, I definitely agree. So speaking of just therapy and just speaking of feelings and probably even advocating for yourself, how do you think patients should advocate for themselves, especially if, how you said, some moms, they don't want C-sections or some um, moms want things specific, no medicine or anything. So how do you feel patients should advocate for themselves, especially since you work in this setting and you see how 
the pressure can be from the doctors and the pressure can be from probably administration. Have that person, whether it be your mom, your cousin, your brother, or your partner, husband, significant other boyfriend, tell that person your wishes because if you're in a situation where the contractions are way too much for you and you can't voice your opinion or tell us what you want, that person will be able to tell you, tell them for you. And also too, like when you come to the hospital, I know a lot of people have like birth plans and everything. So have your birth plan on specific stuff that you want to happen and what you don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you come through the door, you need to voice that to everybody that you meet like the doctor, your nurse. And as a nurse, we should be able to take your birth plan and make sure we tell the team, not just us, but everybody on the floor that this is what you want. Because mm. that's what we're supposed to do for you. We're your advocate. Like we're supposed to advocate for you. So if you don't want something, we're supposed to be like, hey, she says she doesn't want this, this, this. Okay. Okay, nice. So you all do take serious of really what the mom wants. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel and, and I'm not saying like if you don't do that, then you're not a real nurse. If you're if your mother, if a mom comes in and tells me she doesn't want a C-section, I'm going to make sure I tell everybody this is her wishes. She wants to try everything before going straight for a C-section. Mm. But me being as your nurse, I'm a, I feel like a lot of nurses aren't real with, I don't want to say a lot of them, but I'm a real nurse. I'm a, I'm a down to earth nurse. I'm going to give you all, all aspects of everything that could go down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you know, I understand you might not want this, but I just want to let you know in the event that if this happens and we have to go towards that route, are you okay with it? Because things can change in labor. Right. At any moment. You could you could be one minute, like you said, Jasmine, you came in and you were chilling and then they checked you. You were seven centimeters. And then next minute, you know, maybe your baby's heart rate starts going down and it won't come back up. It's a, the baby heart rate is decelling and it won't prolong decel. That's what we call it when the baby's heart rate goes down and it doesn't come back up. That's an immediate sign. Like, OK, if we don't get this lady back and get this baby out, we need the baby's going to die. So we got to go back and run and get this lady to cut her up. You know what I'm saying? Not cut her up, but cut her stomach. Right. So, wow. um, yeah. So most definitely come through, come with your wishes through the gate and voice that, but also let the people that you're with know, this is what I want. So if I can't speak for myself, please let them know. I like that. I like so you you recommend a written birth plan just just in case. Bam, here you go. This is what I want. This is what I want. Okay. And as your nurse, we can put that on the board. So if anybody comes through the door, when we give reports to the next nurse, hey, this is her birth plan. This is what she wants. This is what she expects from her experience. Granted, you know, sometimes things may change, but she would like to follow this as much as possible. I've even seen a lady bring like a picture, picture form of her birth plan. It was okay. really cute. I yeah, like it was that. Really cute. cute pictures and stuff. Like this is what I want. So it don't got to be written, but as long as you know what you want, let us know. Okay. So with that being said, how should women of color go about picking the hospitals or the doctors that they want to deliver? If you hear about a certain provider, I would say go and look at their reviews. 
once you look at their reviews, if you're interested, go check them out. You don't have to stay with a provider if you don't want that provider. If you go to a provider, you're like, I don't like you. <laughs> go to another one and keep switching till you see that you found you found like till you find that one person. How like, I was just gonna say, well, you said one person. I was gonna say, how many people do you recommend them finding? Because I remember in my case, I had mm-hmm. a specific doctor that was supposed to deliver my my child, but mm-hmm. when I was in labor and delivery, um, mm-hmm. he was actually delivering twins. So at that oh, moment, it was like mm-hmm. it was time for me to push, but someone else mm-hmm. basically came before me. So how many people like would you recommend someone finding? And not so saying I, like it's a guarantee that they're going to, you know, not so that it's can get that doctor because it's like when right. you're doing your your checkups and stuff, they sh- have you seeing about five or six different doctors and it's whoever yeah. on call at that moment, you know, will be there for you. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets tricky because I don't know about how other hospitals operate, but I know that's kind of like how our hospital operates. Um, there is that one person that's on call, like say if you want that doctor and they're not on call that night, then it's kind of like, okay, that person, that doctor is in their medical group. So that doctor will deliver you unless it's like an, an induction and you can have your baby on that day. Like you can get induced and have your baby on that day. I think it will be hard to have that specific doctor. So maybe like, I mean, I don't have a kid, but I'll probably try to see like which doctor out of those out of out of that group that I like the most and then which other ones do I like too to see if they'll fall in that rotation of when I will possibly deliver. Mm. Yeah, that's because how mine was. Hard. It was definitely in the rotation. I knew I, and I knew what doctor I was gonna get. I'm like, just watch, I'm gonna get the male doctor. <laughs> yeah, but actually I got a, a student. He just came and like over overseed everything, but I actually got a student, but she was really, really good. Okay. I had got like yeah. a, a student too, like afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At first, I had it was a male doctor I was originally supposed to deliver, and he was delivering the twins. So then a lady came in and delivered, um, which I of course had never met before. And mm-hmm. um, and then after that, that's when he came in and checked, and they asked him, you know, did, they asked him, did he want my placenta? And he had, you know, stated, no, he's okay. But um, that's when he was showing a student how to do the stitches. And I had, I was kind of high, but I was like upset. Like, don't, I don't know. I just felt like for this to be my first child, don't test on me. You know, <laughs> I get, I get everybody's supposed to learn, you know, and it's, they have to practice at one point, but it was like, she kept poking me. And I know, like, it, she was apologizing as she was doing it, but it was just like, I don't know. I was just, like, still high off the and meds. You know, and, I'm, and you know, Diamond, you could have said, I don't want her to stitch me up. Yeah. You could have told her, like, you know, because that's your right as a patient. Like, what you don't want done, you do not have to do. And they cannot get mad at you. I know some providers probably will catch out. So what? So what? Mm-hmm. This is This is my body even though you're my provider and you might want to teach this person, you know, how to, like you said, you don't have nothing against it, but you could have been like, no, I'd rather you stitch me up and he would have to do it. Mm. 
y'all heard it. So speak up for yourself. I think that's, I think it's a very intimidating process. So I can see why Mm -hmm. Diamond didn't speak up. And then also I had Mm -hmm. a student stitch me up, but she probably only poked me once, but. um, It is intimidating. Yeah, because it's like, it's so much going on, especially how you said with the rotation of the doctors. So I tried to go see as many different doctors as I could. So just in case I can be, yeah, I can be familiar with them when they, cause either some, anybody could deliver me on the day, you know what I'm saying? So I just try mm-hmm. to see as many in that rotation, but mm-hmm. like how Diamond was saying, like, well, I wasn't, I wasn't on any medication, but it's just how she probably didn't speak up for herself. It's, it's definitely intimidating. You don't know what you can and can't do. You don't mm-hmm. know. We don't know that we actually really have a voice and say, no, I don't want this. Right. I don't like mm-hmm. this. But then also you don't want to seem like a B-I-T-C-H because these people take mm-hmm. care of you and your baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then with coming out too, it's like they told me it was normal for when the baby comes out for the heart rate to, you know, continue to drop. So mm-hmm. as a first time mom and as a new mom, I was so focused on them making sure my, you know, my baby, baby was breathing and my baby was okay. I was literally... While I was getting stitched up, looking to my right where mm-hmm. I was, you know, sitting at where my baby was at, watching them, mm-hmm. you know, clean them up. Because when mm-hmm. give you the option when your child first comes out, do you know you want them on your chest or do you want mm-hmm. us to clean them up first? I instantly, mm-hmm. as the first time mom, I'm like, clean him up first, then hand the pill because <laughs> I, I can't. You don't want to hold your baby with all that stuff. <laughs> with all the stuff, exactly. And it was like. You know, the blood, everything. I can't, I see a scratch and see blood. I'm instantly finna pass out of something. Like, I just can't <laughs> deal with, you know, seeing blood and stuff. And then also, too, my my child had, fair, had failed the hearing the hearing test. Um, oh. And they was basically saying that um, fluids from the delivery got into his ear. So mm-hmm. I had to like bring him to the doctors for like a week straight for them to, you know, keep draining it and stuff. So it was like, I was worried about that process. I was worried about his heart rate. I was worried about other things all while, mm. you know, getting poked it's and not, well. yeah, not even, you know, knowing or caring. I mean, it didn't affect me, you know, in the long run, it was a, a couple of pokes, but now it's like, I mean, I'm, if I was to have another child, I'll be more educated especially with us having this podcast and the things we've talked about and hearing mm-hmm. from other people experience and hearing from an expert like yourself it's like you mm-hmm. definitely know which way to take and which routes to go through now mm-hmm. yes. and that's why like I that's why I really like some days are tough but the part that I love about my job is being that black nurse in the room with my black family or Hispanic family or Indian family, you know, and even white families. But, you know, for my people of color, like, I love the way that I'm able to connect with, you know, you all and to be able to basically put everything that's going on in 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 the way for you to understand. Because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes these providers, they just come in and they just give a spiel. And they're like, do you understand? And, and we'd be like, like uh-huh. Don't know what right. you're talking about. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. And that has happened. And once the provider leaves the room, I'd be like, so basically this is what sh- she or he said. 
your baby is doing this, which is causing this, which is why they're saying this. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, like, but it's crazy because, you know, I, I don't, I think doctors, they're so smart that they don't understand, like, you know, you do have to just sit down and really be real and talk. Just have a conversation. We like they have to remember the terms that they know, and that's how out of 10, we don't know. So exactly. they kind of use these big words and say these terms. And then when we looking at them crazy and say, okay, right. it is what it is. <laughs> like, just so they can be quiet because at this point, exactly. they give me a headache with all these big words. Terms. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they don't, sometimes they don't, they don't, rem- they have to remember that they have to talk in a way that we will understand as non-doctors mm-hmm. and non-professionals. But mm-hmm. I understand like they forget. Because like in my work field, sometimes I use terms that people don't understand. It's like, okay, I have to remember I'm supposed to be talking a different way. And I'm not saying I have to dim me down or dumb down Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. I just have to go a different way with explaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of doctors, do you feel that doctors advocate for C-sections and epidurals and medicine? Or do you feel that doctors are actually trying to give women, especially women of color, a fair shot to go natural? I feel like it depends on the patient. Because, like, you know, it'll be a mom that will come in and she's like, I want to go natural. And you're like, we respect you 100%. And then you'll give your start the Pitocin on her that, you know, basically will pick up the woman's contractions. Um, and she can't take the pain. Mm. And you can see, you know, and you can see it like it hurts her and she's, you know, She's like really going through it. So that's when they're like, okay, they have she gotten her epidural yet? You know, what is her plan to help with pain? Because there's other options that you can do. Like you don't have to get an epidural. You can get something. Um, you can get a, a medication that's called Dilaudid. It goes through the IV. And what is that? Um, <laughs> School us. So basically... Dilaudid is is a form of pain medication, but it's it goes through your it's it goes through your IV. We we give it through your whatever IV you have your like liquids going through, mm-hmm. and that basically will take the help take the edge off that you're having for the pain. But it can make you a little bit you know woozy and everything. Um, but you can only have so much of it because this it's only gonna do so much for you. Eventually it's not going to do what it's supposed. It's not saying what it's supposed to do, but it won't work as effectively as it did the first time that you had it. Do a lot of moms get that? Cause I never heard of yeah. that. Yeah. Some moms will, will try to, if they're going natural, they'll try to use the They'll definitely try to use the first, but then after so long, it's like, okay, it's not working anymore. So then you're like, okay, what do I do now? You know, and, and can you give them like, an epidural after that? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, okay, Just I didn't know if that was too to, much medicine. Uh, uh-uh. uh, we definitely do give space it out so that you're not getting it back to back. Like you know, oh, we just sh- we shot you up with the lot of here comes the epidural. We do like to give it some time before you get the epidural. So is it true that um that doctors get paid more while uh? with going through a C-section. That's why 
sometimes they advocate for it and want to do a C-section? See that, you know, I've heard that, but I don't, I haven't seen like, you know, how much everything costs. Mm -hmm. So I can't really say if they get paid more or not, but I have heard that. But don't quote me now. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, but I don't think, I mean, I've have like I have heard that a lot of hospitals have high C-section rates. Mm. Um and me personally, I feel like it's due to the fact that not all hospitals will let the mom labor for however long she needs to labor till the baby comes out, you know. Why do so you like, think okay. that they don't do that? They just ready to like, let's go. Some doctors give that vibe. I'm not going to lie. Mm, okay. Some doctors do give that vibe. But I think if a mom has been laboring for so long and you're not making any cervical change, so you're not going, you're not, you're at, you're stuck at like five centimeters for about six, 10 hours it's kind of like, okay, we're reaching, you're on day two of laboring and you're still stuck at five centimeters. We need to figure out what we're going to do, you know, because then there's the risk of infection that might come into play because your bag of water has been broken for so long. You know, you start thinking of different, different possible, not negative possibilities, but you don't want, basically at the end of the day, you want a healthy mom and a healthy baby. Mm, okay. So that's and you want to do like whatever is best is for the right. family. Right, exactly. Because we don't know. You could be sitting here laboring and you're at five centimeters and you're on Pitocin for so long. Pitocin can cause you to hemorrhage, which is bleeding out because you've been on it for hours, for days. Mm. So it's like, okay, you got to think about that too because this mom been sitting on Pitocin going through her body for two days now if she delivers this baby vaginally she's gonna probably potentially bleed out but baby doesn't look so good because baby keeps having these dips in in the heart rate so we need to figure out what's going on mm. you know so c-sections can't say oh go ahead shay oh i was just saying that was uh like speaking to my experience I was dilated for five centimeters for a long time. And that's why they ended up doing a C-section. But I do feel, I'll be honest, like my doctor scheduled my C-section on her on-call shift. She did not want to have to come the next day on my actual due date. And I um, hate that she felt that way because that's not a good feeling. Yeah, like I, my due date was Thursday. I went in on Monday. She said I was one centimeter dilated. She kept me. I think I felt like I could go back home, but she she said, do you feel like I should stay? My blood pressure was a little elevated and she wanted to monitor me, which is fine. And I would have been fine with being monitored, but I feel like they pushed to for me to be induced. I sat at five centimeters. I had at one point too high of a level of Pitocin and... Mm. Um, I was like contracting like one minute apart at one point at five centimeters mm. and, um, ended up like going into distress. My daughter went into distress. Yeah. Um, I did, uh, almost bleed out, had to have a blood transfusion, um, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, 
basically to answer that question, I do, I can see some providers like pushing for C-sections, but I think a lot of them look at all factors before making that decision of for that mom to have a C-section. You're like, it's fair. you like, it may be one or two slipping through the cracks. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, it's some situations where you're just like, come on now. But it's a lot of situations. They look at all like factors. Like what's, what's the bigger picture? What's going on here? How can we make sure that mom is safe after she delivers and baby is safe after baby is delivered? Mm. And also, mm. I feel like sometimes maybe doctors just be in the rhythm, the motion, like just kind of getting things done. And I can imagine you have so many patients, so many lives in your hands, like you're going to take the route that makes the most sense. Yes, because that one, it, when the doctor's on the floor, literally, it'll be a doctor on call and they're watching over all the patients. Yeah. And that's a lot. So, I couldn't yeah. imagine having that type of responsibility, that many lives in my hands. And you got to basically sit there, like you said, Shay, you have to say, okay, which lady is going to deliver first, second, third? Like, what's my situation? What's going on here? You know? Yeah. Mm. So what's next for your career, Kimberly? Are you still going to pursue labor and delivery nurse for a while? Do you are you thinking about becoming a doula? Are you thinking about doing midwifing? Do you want to stay in that? Or are you thinking about moving around to a different type of section of nursing? Uh honestly, I definitely don't want to leave. I'm telling y'all, I, I have my days where I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but I do want to stick with labor and delivery, but I'm highly interested in becoming a doula. And I did sign up to start taking classes so I can get a certification for it. Um, just because hearing, especially hearing you all story, like I just wish I was that person in the room with you. Mm. Because it's kind of like to hear them tell Diamond, oh, well, we're going to go back for a C-section and you were just only pushing for 30 to 45 minutes. That's not like, come on now, like, let me keep pushing for at least two hours at least because you're a first time mom. So pushing is not going to come easy for you. You got to get in that rhythm. And once you get in that rhythm, you could have easily pushed that baby out. And then for like you, Shay, hearing them say, well, you know, we're just going to keep you here because you have some high, um, some elevated blood pressure. Instantly, if I was in that room, like, okay, you've been monitoring her for X amount of time. Her blood pressures have been fine. It can she go home? If anything changes, then she will become she'll be able to come back, right? And they couldn't tell you no, because if your blood pressures were fine and you only you're only one centimeter dilated, why couldn't you go home? And I wish I would have known that. So anybody listening, learn from my experience. Please. Yes. And so what is a doula? A doula is your support person. They're your eyes and your ears for you while you're in that room. They know exactly what you want during your labor process, like all your wishes. And they're there to basically execute and make sure everything goes the way that you want it to the best of their abilities. Mm. So it sounds like everybody needs one. I'm thinking for my next baby, I might have to get one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely feel that way. Because you're well, a mother. Let me know. 
<laughs> you're vulnerable. Oh, girl, I got you. You definitely like. I feel like a doula is something that if a woman is able to have one, they should have one because they're there to basically keep you calm. They're there to advocate for you. They're there to to be there for you when you can't speak for yourself because when you're in labor, that's like the most vulnerable state a woman could be in. I mean, being pregnant is is your most vulnerable state, but you are literally having another human being. <laughs> you can't have this human being and do everything by yourself, even though your husband is there. That's probably new for him too. So he needs some support too. <laughs> right. Oh no, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we can't forget about the dads now. And a lot of us dads, do. Yeah, uh, they need support too. Now, so what advice would you like to leave mothers to be, or even current mothers regarding hospitals, giving birth, and their aftercare? The advice that I would give is advocate for yourself. I hope after listening to this podcast, uh, every mother gets the point that you can advocate for yourself. If you don't want something as a pay, they teach us that in nursing school, the patient has rights. If they don't want something, they do not, they do not need to have it. So advocate for yourself. If you can't advocate, let your people know your wishes so they can advocate for you. Do your research. Um, If you like a doctor, stick with that doctor, but see your other options just in case if that doctor is not able to be there for your delivery. Um, look stuff up about stuff that you might possibly see when it comes to labor. You know, I know they have like books and they have videos and everything. Um, I think having some sort of knowledge so you don't go in and be like, what the heck is this? will put you at ease somehow. Um, but also go into it with an open mindset because the hospital, there's a lot of policies and procedures that we have to follow as a healthcare provider. So we're basically trying to be there for you the best way that we can, um, but still have still, but with still following our protocol. So coming with an open mindset that anything can change at any given moment, but we are trained to be there for you if there is a change. Dang, that's dope. Thank you, Kimber. We really appreciate you coming on and speaking to us and our audience. We really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Okay, so so thanks again, Kimberly. We're going to wrap up. Thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode. Please, please, please subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you give us a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. It only takes a few minutes. Also, please, please, please follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at New Age Mamas. That's N-E-W-A-G-E-M-A-M-A-S, New Age Mamas. We have so much in store for you guys. And that's a wrap. Thank you again, Kimberly.